together around your word with these the precious people, the very sheep of your pasture. I thank you that their eyes, their ears, their hearts and minds are open to receive this word. And so I thank you for good seed, which is the word of God, that will fall into good ground, which is their hearts. And Lord, we know it will produce a harvest in their lives. I thank you so much for the privilege of being your preacher. I do not take it for granted this morning. And so right now, I decrease that you, the greater one, might increase. I ask that you would think through my mind, speak through my lips as I declare your word. I thank you for the compassion of Jesus that always flows from the heart. So, Father, we give you praise in advance for confirming your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, hold it up just like this. We're going to make a declaration of faith. Somebody repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer not a doubter. I am a doer, not just a hearer. And my life is the better after having heard the word of faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I want to get right into my lesson. I want to talk to you from the subject of giving makes your life better. Everybody say giving makes my life better. And I really want to share with you my story and my journey and, 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 and just to kind of preface my story. This happened long before I ever became a pastor. This is when uh, I was, uh, you know, at a very low point in my life. Um, I was, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, t- kind of struggling to make ends meet. And, uh, but I had always, I grow, grew up in church and uh, denominational church and those kind of things. And I was told to give. However, I was never taught to give. And I later realized that there's a difference, be, you know, between being told to do something. And, of course, we were told to just give. You know, the church needs to keep the lights on, so you need to give and those kind of things. And, and I gave out of obedience. And I do believe that there was, uh, you know, a level of blessing that I received for just uh, obeying God. But I realized that once I was taught to give, it radically changed my life because I was now giving in faith, expecting God to do something uh, amazing in my life. And so that's really well, what I want to share with you over these uh, next, you know, few minutes or so that giving makes your life better. And so I begin to learn the word of faith and I begin to learn that the, the Bible was full of prophecy, promises, and principles. For every prophecy, for every promise, and for every principle that there was a faith process to bring it to pass. I learned that the will of God was not automatic and uh, he needed my permission and my participation to usher his will in my life. And that was really shocking because, you know, as a little boy, you, I always heard people say, well, if it's his will, he'll just do it. Not realizing that God has already mapped out his will in his word. And to the degree that we apply his word in our life by faith, we'll get results, not some of the time, but every time. That's why I tell people the church you go to and the word you hear, it really does make a difference. The church you go to and the word you hear, it really does matter. Being in an environment of faith, around people of faith, with a pastor of faith that's going to teach you faith, will help produce your faith so you can get the victory, not in some areas of your life, but it's the will of God for you to get the victory in every area of your life. Amen. And so you have to understand that, 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 that to the degree that I will walk out this word, it'll change my life. And, and so I begin to learn this principle of giving that radically changed my life. One of the first things I had to do as I begin to learn uh, this principle of giving was to overcome false beliefs. Everybody say false beliefs. A false belief is a thought pattern that is contrary to the express will of God that hinders 
cripples and retards the believer's decision-making process. That's my definition. So it's, it's, it's a thought pattern. It's a negative thought pattern that is contrary to the express will of God. And we know the will of God, his will is his word. Isn't that right? And so now there's these negative thoughts that are coming at me that is going against what God's word says. And that's causing me to step back in faith. And instead of going forward in faith and making right decisions, I begin to make the wrong decisions. Now, these negative thoughts can come several ways. One is what we call the fiery darts of the wicked one. And those are just mental thoughts that come from the enemy telling you, you know, uh, if you give, you're not going to have enough. Or, you know, and, and, and if, you know, if you give, you know, or you, you tried that for two weeks before and it didn't work. The enemy will always try to throw those things at you. It doesn't always come from him. Sometimes it'll come from friends. It'll come from family members. Why are you going to down to that church and why are you giving all your money? First of all, how many know we ain't giving all of our money away? Isn't that right? And, and so, but you have to, that's why the, 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 the writer tells us that we cannot be ignorant concerning Satan's devices. The enemy knows the word better than some saved folks. All right. And he knows that the word will work if you work it. He understands that the principle of giving will work in your life, that when you release what's in your hand, God will release what's in his and his hands are bigger than yours. And so that's why he works overtime to keep you from giving your tithe, to keep you from giving your offering, to keep you from participating in the big giving day, because he knows that if you participate in that in that uh, style of giving, it's going to radically change your life. And so that's really what I want to talk to you about for, for the next few minutes. That, uh, um, you know, uh, when I was on this journey to walking by faith, like I said, um, I was not a pastor at this time. But really, by the time I started pastoring, I was loaded. I had business making millions of dollars. So, and and, and the, real, the reason why I need you to understand that is because, you know, prosperity is not just for the pastor. Prosperity is for everybody in the building. The Bible said that the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people or of his service. And that's all of us, inclusive of all of us. And you got to be glad that you have a man and woman of God that teach you the word of God so you can prosper in every area of your life. Amen. And so, so uh, but let, I want to show you a few things. I have a few, uh, couple different pictures I want to show you today. I want to show you the car, the kind of car I was driving when I first started to learn faith. Yeah, that's called a Suzuki Swift. I call it the Fred Flintstone car. The reason I call it the Fred Flintstone car is set so low to the ground that if there was not a floorboard, I could do like Fred and, and I could just go right on down the road and do what I needed to do. The car was so small that one Saturday afternoon, I was watching college football. I love football. I'm a football fan. I don't care who's playing. I don't care who it is. You know, I love football. But I will say the Broncos is my team, so we did win this year. Anyways. And so, so but anyways, I was watching college football. So my wife says, well, babe, I'm going to go out and, and, and clean the car, wash the car. And, you know, and I said, okay. She walks out, and I already know. Now, you know you can't let her go and wash that car. That is not her responsibility. That is your it's responsibility. So I said, okay, there's three minutes in the fourth quarter. You got it? I'm going to watch these three minutes. Even with the advertisement, seven, eight minutes, I'll be out there, you know? And so it, you know, go through the fourth quarter, the couple commercials. I go outside. She's already done washing. That's how small that thing was. But I will tell you this. We were faithful with that car. We kept it clean. We kept the oil changed. The, the tires were always shining. We all, because we understood that if I can be faithful with that little thing, God would bless me with greater. 
And so, and, and, and so, so, so I really wanted to show you kind of where I started. There are four things that I learned along this journey of, 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 of living a better life. Because after all, that's what I was after. I, was, I wanted a better life, and I, I realized that I could find it in the Word of God. And so there's four things I learned as it relates to giving and giving making my life better. And the first thing I learned, that giving was God's plan. Everybody say giving is God's plan. So giving wasn't my pastor's plan, giving wasn't the board's plan, giving wasn't a church's plan, giving was God's plan to prosper my life, giving was God's plan to make my life better, and I learned that to the degree that I would follow God's word and do it his way, that it would produce amazing results in my life. You know, the book of Isaiah, uh, he says, your ways are not my ways, and neither are your thoughts mine, mine are higher than yours. He goes on to say, as the heavens are higher than the earth. And so it shows the natural progression or really protocol that the heavens supersede the earth. Isn't that right? And he says, just like the heavens supersede the earth, my thoughts and my ways supersede yours. He said, so I can't come down to your way of thinking and your way of doing things. He said, you've got to come up to my way of thinking and my way of doing things. And if you do that, you'll live an amazing life. Does that make sense? Genesis 8 and 22 teaches us that while the earth remaineth, there is seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night says shall not cease or shall not stop. So the Bible says as long as the earth remains, there are going to be some things that are in place and seed time and harvest is one of those things. And we have to understand that 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 giving is not a game, but it is God's plan to prosper my life that anytime God asks me for something, he's not really trying to get something from me he's trying to get something to me but really what he wants is my heart that where a man's treasure is there is his heart also and so you can tell where my heart is when you look in my checkbook and my heart is with my church and with my wife and my kids you got it? And so, 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 so you can look at where your heart is by just looking at your checkbook, your bank statement, whatever it is, and find out really where your heart is. Second Corinthians, the ninth chapter and the sixth verse, and I'm just driving home that giving is God's plan to prosper our lives. And I want to show you, I want to pull something out of this that I think will be a blessing to you. Because if, if maybe you've never seen it this way, and uh, I saw it this way, and it radically changed my life. It says, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously with blessings. He says, let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his own heart. And see, that's exactly what God wants. He doesn't mind someone pushing you, you got it, or prompting you, but he doesn't want anybody to pressure you to give because he wants you to give out of your own heart. And so that's why he tells us this. You know, let me ask you a question. Last night, you did not get any calls from the church saying that make sure you come and you come and give good, did you? That when they passed the offering bucket, the offering receptacle, a few minutes, the usher didn't stand in front of you and shake it another time and say, you need to do a little better. They didn't do that, did they? No, they didn't do that because giving is not a game. And when you understand it's not a game and you have a conviction of it, no one has to pressure me to give. I understand that this is God's plan to prosper my life, to make my life better. I want to live a better life, so I'm going to do it his way. All right, let's keep going. It says, let each one of you give as he has made up his own mind and his purpose in his own heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. I love this next part. For God loves. What does God do? He loves, takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, 
and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do a giver whose heart is in his giving. So the Bible said that he loves, takes pleasure in, and watch this, it says, and prizes above other things. When I first saw that in the Amplified, what I did was I almost saw like this list that God had, you understand? And because the Bible says prizes above other things, that there's a lot of things on this list, but those that are cheerful givers, he puts them at the top of his list. And because I am a consistent giver, that I give my time, I give my offering, I always sow into my men and uh, women of God's life. Because I do that, I believe that God has me at the top of his list and that anytime I need something, he'll come through for me. Now, now watch this. I showed you the principle, but let's watch the promise behind it because it gets even better. Verse 8 says, and God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, under all circumstances, and whatever the need be, self-sufficient. Everybody say self-sufficient. self-sufficient. That word means possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. And so I wanted to get to the point where I could be self-sufficient. And, 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 and I learned early on when I began to learn faith that God would fill any bag I gave him as long as I gave it to him in faith. And so, uh, uh, and, and it was really funny when I read this, the first thing that came to my mind is every year, I, w- I was kind of in a smaller church, not a big church like this, when we were coming up and I, when I was learning faith. And, and what happened was, um, every year when it was the pastor's birthday or, you know, it was pastor's anniversary, you know, there would, you'd get a text from, uh, you know, one of the guys and say, hey, let's everybody put $150 together or $100 or just whatever you can do, you know, and let's, let's all put it together and give it to the pastor, you know, or let's, let's do something for him. And, you know, and I always loved doing it, you know, and, but there was guys along the way and maybe they were going through something, so I'm not knocking them, but you could tell that they were reluctant or, you know, I don't really, you know, what, what exactly, you know, why does the pastor, he drive a Mercedes, why, you know, and, and, and so, so I said, God, I need you to make me self-sufficient. I need you to make it so when it's the pastor's birthday, I don't have to call anybody that I can just go write the check and make it happen for him. Does that make sense? And, and, and so, so watch this. But everything is a process, all right? Everything about God is a process. Things don't happen overnight. They happen over time. And so what I got to the point of doing was I was able to sow $20 every week into my man of God's life. That might not sound like a bunch to you, but that was like a million dollars to me back that, in that time because I really needed that $20, But I learned that uh, that Paul talks to the church at Philippi because they gave consistently uh, and generously into his life and ministry. And he told them, because you're so consistent and generous, he says, the same, you are partakers of my grace. He says, same grace that's on me is on you. Same ability that's on me is on you. Same anointing that's on me is on you. And I learned this principle. And so I said, I need what's on my man of God's life. And so I began to sow into his life. Every week, and so watch this, I was sowing $20, and, uh, and, and I'm going to tell y'all, that I don't know if God was just making sure he, you know, uh, helping me out in my faith, but it started working right away. Now, nothing super, you know, duper, I didn't get a million dollar check, but I just saw God working in my life. And I said, well, man, this is working, but I don't have any more money to give him, but I got to do something, you know. And so I, 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 I called my pastor, and he had a, one of these big four-door trucks, big four-door F, you know, 250, whatever. I mean, it was laid out. His wife drew, uh, drove a Mercedes. And I called and said, Pastor, I'd like to wash your car for you. 
And uh, I remember him saying, uh, and my pastor, he's just a straight talker. He said, you, you can come to the church and watch it, but you can't drive it. Now, the enemy really wanted me to get upset and get offended by that because he wanted to steal the seed that I was about to sow. I said, oh, no, no, that ain't no problem. So I, I came, I brought my own water hose, my own bucket, you got it? And, and, and I began to do, I began to wash his car every single week. And man, it kept working. And so then I began, I said, well, pastor, can I do your, um, your wife's car? He said, well, you can't drive it, but you can go to the house and clean it. I said, no problem, because now, by now, I'm understanding that this thing is working. Giving is not a game. I got to the point where I was able to give him $100 every single week. I did that consistently. I got to the point where uh, God opened some tremendous doors uh, of favor. Uh, I wanted to mentor some kids. It turned into a whole bunch more. I had a group home in one city, a group home in another city. I was doing case management. I was doing counseling. You know, uh, I, I, I'm, and I'm trying to give you, like, uh, the, the, the quick story. You know, I got to the point where, you know, in one year, I did $2.7 million. Watch this. Put, can you put the car back up, please? So brother man goes from driving that. To make it in a, and, and, and it took me, I don't know, five, in five to seven years, my wife, she, she knows time is better than me. But within a five to seven year period of me really learning faith and really working the principle, I mean, because he said, prove me. So I'm driving in this little car and saying, okay, you said prove it. I'm going to prove you, God. I'm going to give you something to work with. I'm going to do everything I can do. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my offering. I'm going to do something for my man of God. And, you know, I started doing his truck. I started doing uh, uh, his wife's um, uh, vehicle. And then I even started cutting the grass at the church. And all the guys at the church were like, he is crazy. One of the guys like, man, you done lost your mind. You like his do flunky. I said, no, no, no. I said, you missing it. I found something in the word of God and I'm working a principle. It is going to change my life. And I was driving in that little car. You got it. Confessing in that little car. Father, I thank you that all my needs are met. I wasn't driving high. I was driving low. Father, I thank you that all my needs are met according to heaven's best. I eat the best. I wear the best. I live in the best. I drive the best. You say, how in the world can you say that driving that car? I understood that the car wasn't going to change the word, but the word was going to change my car. And to the degree that you take the word of God as it relates to giving and get rid of the fear that sometimes comes along with it and say, you know what? I'm going to step out into the deep. I'm going to do what God's word says. I'm going to challenge God because he's a man of his word. Then you will see amazing results in your life. So, so, so I, I began to do that. Uh, point number two, I learned that I must give consistently even when it's not ideal. I must give consistently even when it's not ideal. Let's be honest. All of us at some point in life had some season in life where it was not real ideal for us to give our tithes and offers. Am I telling the truth? But, but, but just because it was ideal doesn't mean that we shouldn't give. Tough times are no reason not to give. It is exactly the reason that we should give so we can work God's plan in our life. Because I believe as far as my life is concerned that I should never have tough times again. Does that make sense? I don't believe in being in between seasons, y'all. I don't believe in being in between blessings. I don't believe in being sometime up and sometime down. and sometime. I ain't knocking all that. I'm just saying I don't believe that. I believe it's the will of God for me to go from faith to faith and from glory to glory, from blessing to blessing, from increase to increase. I believe it's the will of God for me to prosper not some of the time, but it's the will of God for me to be in a consistent state of prosperity. 
And until you believe it for your life, it won't happen. But the moment you make it up in your mind saying, just like Pastor's best friend, I don't remember his name, but that short country preacher up there is talking. I'm going to believe it like he believed it. And the way it worked for him is the way it'll work for me because God is no respecter of persons. He's only a respecter of faith. And to the degree you release faith, you'll see it work in your life. We must understand that waiting for everything to be right in our life, to give and become a good steward, will always cause delay and disobedience. I learned this from your pastor. Delayed giving always equals a deferred harvest. I don't want my harvest put off, so if I don't want my harvest put off, I can't put off giving. And so when I give to God, I give to God the first and the best. You know, like our church, I love it. Uh, we have electronic giving. I know you guys have electronic giving. And, and every day of the week, if, and it's not just paychecks because we tithe off of our increase. So it doesn't matter if it's paycheck, income tax. Somebody gave me some birthday money. You got it. Uh, somebody just blessed me because they wanted to bless me. You know, and, and we go online and we give every single time we get blessed. Anytime that I get uh, blessed outside of, you know, my normal income, I know what I'm going to make. Anytime I do that, I've always committed to God, God, I will always give you at least 20% of it. That's a commitment that I, and I do it every time with, without, you know, without wavering. I, I did that one time and uh, I wasn't, I wasn't even in my church. I was at a, uh, I was somewhere at another church um, and, and, and somebody came up to me and I felt kind of funny because they come up to me and they gave me this check and they said, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pastor James, you don't really know us, uh, but we know you. We've seen you on stage and you've just really been a blessing to our life and we opened this business and, you know, God has really blessed us. So, you know, we want it to be a blessing to you. And I said, okay, well, praise the Lord. And I put it in my pocket and I didn't really think much about it. I got to to the hotel and I opened it up and I said, well, praise the Lord. But when I made the commitment to God that I'd give him 20%, I couldn't start backing up then once I got the blessing. I had to, I had to follow through with the commitment that I made to, to God. That, that's why I was so tremendously blessed when Pastor Evan got up talking about the member that couldn't wait to tithe off the $47,000. They, well, maybe they, they must already, I was about to say they have no idea, but they do because they've been taught, but they are about to open their lives up for something so incredible. You got it. This is the thing. You have to keep the commitment when you make it to God that you're going to give. Let, let's use $100,000. Everybody could use $100,000 in the room, right? Yeah. Who can't use $100,000? So, so let's just say God blesses you tomorrow with $100,000. All of a sudden, you know, you get the $100,000, you're happy, and you're like, oh, but I got to give $10,000 time. This is what I would want to say. You fool. You had no money yesterday. Now you have $100,000 a day. You're going to give $10,000 and offer them, but you get to keep $80,000. I will do that with God any day of the week, every day of the week. God's math works for me. And so, 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 so he's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. Sacrifice sets in motion the supernatural power of God. Sacrifice gets God's attention and causes him to move. By now, if you have not already heard from God, you've been praying about what God wants you to do on your big giving day. And the thing I have to tell you is to don't choke. Maybe you were like, you know what, well, we've, we've tried the thousand, we've did that, and it works, so we're going to step up our game. Maybe, maybe you say, I'm going to give 1,500 or 2,000, and the Lord tells you, give 5,000. Or give 3000 you got it. Or give 7000 You know, everybody's at different levels, you got it. And, and, and so, and all of a sudden you start backing up. No, no, no. He's asking for a sacrifice, you got it, but he's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to set you up for something far greater than, well, than the little bit that you gave. Amen. In a moment, I'm going to show you what your seed really looks like. 
Uh, before I get there, uh, I, I remember when, when God really started blessing us, uh, and it was, you know, it was working. Uh, you know, at, at one point in the beginning, um, we, I was bringing a check for, I think, thirty-two dollars or $37,000 home a week. I didn't even know what to do with all that money. I didn't, I, you know, I mean, because I was, I was living, you know, in a little small house and, uh, you know, got, had a little small car and we'd give my tithes and offering, you know, and I'm just stacking it up, you know. And then one day my pastor's like, you know, son, you could go buy your house if you want to. I was like, oh, yeah, I, could, I can buy a house, can I? You know, and, and, and so uh, we were in a conference and uh, 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 it had a big giving night, kind of like you're going to have a big giving day. And the Lord told me to give $20,000. That's the first time I ever gave a seed that large. He gave, told me to give $20,000. And so I said, okay, I'm going to give $20,000. So we gave $20,000 on that night. The next night, my pastor gets up. He says, hey, hey, thank y'all for everything you've done. The budget is always, almost met. He said, but we know that after tonight, it's going to be taken care of. Now, right before that, I had went to... Uh, uh, Greenville, North Carolina, which is a city next uh, city, yeah, next door to us, basically about an hour away. And uh, I had purchased me a brand new motorcycle. Now, even though I was a really young guy, I'm old school. I, I used to drive, you know, the big Lincoln Town cars. You understand what I'm saying? You know, uh, and so when I bought a bike, I didn't buy the crotch rocker. I bought me a Honda Goldwing. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm, and, 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 I, and I, you know, I, I had them put chrome on it and everything. It was chromed out. And so, 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 so my brother-in-law was about to buy one too. Right before the service, the man was supposed to come. He already had a check for $14,000, right? And, and, and so, but, and, and the man never showed up. We talked, we, we made the deal. I helped him with it. And so, so, so the guy's supposed to come. He went to the bank and got his money. And so he had a check for $14,000, but you know, he didn't make it out as far as the guy's name. We were waiting on the guy to get there. He never gets there. So I'm sitting there and the Lord says, Go ask Ed if he wants to buy your bike. And I was like, that ain't God. (laughs) And then he says again, go ask Ed if he wants to buy your bike and then take the 14,000. You got it. So now, now, remind you, I bought mine brand new for like 22 or 23,000. He was buying and using them for 14,000 dollars. He says, so sell it to him for 14,000 and take, take take, take the seat and go lay it on the altar. And so at that point, you got it, uh, um, I needed um, Jesus, the friendly ghost, the Holy Ghost, Casper, everybody. You got it. And so I go to, uh, I go, and Ed, Ed, Ed is in the usher, and he was in the back. And so I, I go to Ed, I said, Ed, do you want to sell? I said, do you want to buy my bike for your $14,000? He's like, what? I said, Ed, I don't have time for questions. Do you want to buy my bike for $14,000? He's like, buy your bike, like you, the one you just bought. I said, yeah, I know it sounds crazy. Do you want to buy my bike for $14,000? He's like, yeah, I'll buy your bike for $14,000. And so I said, okay, give me the check, you know. And so he gave me the check, and, uh, uh, um, and so I wrote the name of the church. I didn't even go tell nobody. You got, I just laid it on the altar, and I went back, and, uh, and, and y'all, um, you know, the spirit was high in church. I ain't feel none of it. I just thought for the rest of that night, <laughs> like, okay, Lord, you said prove you. Because I gave 20000 last night, and that was probably more than anybody else gave in this whole church. And now I gave 14000 and I don't have a bike. But I believe you, and I believe your word. And you're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. So if you said it, you'll do it, and if you spoke it, you'll bring it to pass in my life. 
And so, so, so that was, uh, we had conferences on Monday and Tuesday. It's so funny, that's why I do conferences on Monday and Tuesday, because that's what Pastor Taylor used to do. And, and, and so, so we had conferences uh, like that. And, uh, and so, so what happened was by the, uh, the end of the week into the next week, uh, my uh, accountant calls. And she says, James, uh, there's an issue with the money. And I'm thinking, okay, we don't need no issues right now, because it was with my tax account. And I had a bunch of money in that tax account. I, I paid, you know, I feel way too much money. They think it was the right amount. But anyways. And, and, and so she said, no, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a, a bad thing. It's a good thing. I said, oh, what do you mean? She says, anytime you want to, she says, you can withdraw. It was like either twenty-three dollars or $27,000 because, you know, the numbers were wrong and some tax things, the uh, laws had changed and the percentage went down. And so, so I sold that money, you know, the week before and the very next week, I'm already getting $27,000 back. Watch this. Somebody heard what I'd done, because I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my pastor. Somebody heard what I did. The next Sunday, they show up to church with a bike just like the one I gave. But let me help you further than that. Let me help you further than that. From that day to this day, I've never had a lack or never had a want all the days of my life. Giving is not a game. It is God's plan to prosper your life. Now, watch this. Giving can become difficult. If you don't understand that it's God's plan, listen to this. It is difficult to give when my plan to have is valued above confidence in God's plan. See, I must have confidence that God's plan works better than my plan. Letter B, it is difficult to give when I feel my needs and desires will be jeopardized if I obey God. And a lot of times, the enemy will try to get you to think, no, if you give, you know, you won't be able to do all the things. He's just lying to you. Peter goes to Jesus and says, you know, uh, with, you know, with just this poor mentality, with Jesus, we've left all and followed thee. And Jesus said, oh, no, no, it don't even work like that. He said, no man has left houses and mother and brothers for my sake and the gospel that he won't receive right now a hundredfold. And he said, after you live a long life, enjoying this hundredfold in the world to come eternal life. And so, so, so you can never beat God giving. Let her see. It is difficult to give when it looks like God is better to others than he is to me. And you got to understand, you must be patient. Everything about God is a process. Things don't happen overnight. They happen over time. And let me help y'all. If God is blessing your neighbor, that means he's in the neighborhood. Isn't that right? So when, my, so when God blesses my neighbor, yeah, thank God my neighbor got a new car. And thank God my neighbor got a new house. And thank God my neighbor got a new, new, new baby. Because, listen, I'm, I'm next. I'm in line. So if he's blessing your neighbor, he's in the neighborhood. Letter D, it is difficult when I allow others to dump their doubt and unbelief on me. And let me just help you with that. Stay away from negative people. People will impose limitations on you, and the danger of them imposing limitations is that it hinders your expectation. When your expectation has been hindered, your faith has nothing to work with. The Bible says faith is a substance of things hoped for. And my thing is, who are you all? Who are you to tell me what I can and cannot have, where I can and cannot go, and what I can and cannot do? Until you write you a Bible and make you a world, a world I'm going to stick with this one. God's plan works. 
Number three, I learned that if I would follow God's plan and God's process for my life, it would open the door to tremendous favor in my life. Because I gave, because I gave consent, my friends thought I was a fool, you know, call me a do-flunking, all those kind of things. Doors open and, 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 and all kind of things happen, you know, and I went from driving that little car to driving any kind of car I wanted. Watch this. Now, now, if I have an issue, and we all have issues, but if I have an issue, it's, it's car. I, I love vehicles. Since, my, uh, since I've known your pastor, I don't know how many new cars I've had, but I've had a whole lot of them. I've had a whole lot of them. You know, and, and, and so, um, you know, I mean, I, you know, every, every other year, you know, I just get me a new car. You got it. And, 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 you know, I know I got issues. You got it. You know, but you do too. I got issues. You got issues. All God's children got issues. If you don't think you have an issue, that's your issue. And so my wife, she wanted this, uh, this, this new Lincoln uh, Navigator. And, and so I went and I bought it for her. And so we, this is one of the rare times we were gone on a Sunday. And so I went and uh, I went to pay my tithes and offering. And so my pastor comes out and sees the car. Man, he is so excited. I've never seen him this excited. And he's a country boy from Georgia. So he's doing his little leg like this, you know. And he's just excited about the, you know, about the car, uh, about the truck, you know. And so on the way driving up to Pennsylvania, I told my wife, I said, he was so excited for us. I said, we ought to buy him one. And so she's like, yeah, let's do it. So we're driving on 95, you know, heading up north. And I call my, 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 my guy and I say, hey, Gary. I said, do you have another one of those? He's like, what do you mean? I said, another navigator. He's like, well, yeah, we got a white one, the one that was sitting right next to him. I said, okay, I need you to clean that up. I said, I'm going to buy it. I said, so I'm on vacation, but when I come back, I'm going to come, I'm going to write the check and pay cash for it. He said, but you already got one. I said, yeah, but my pastor wants one. Now, y'all know that made no sense to him at all, right? That made no sense to him at all, but it made faith. And I found, watch this, I found something in the Word of God, because Paul tells uh, the Philippian church, because you've been so generous to me and because you've given to me, he says, same thing that's on my life is on your life. And because I served my man of God and I sowed, I ended up seeing the supernatural. And so, so I was able to go from just washing his car to buying him a car. You understand what I'm saying? And so watch it. After a while, I didn't wash them anymore, but I still kept his cars up. Every week I had somebody just go and clean them up, and I just paid the bill. And and, and so you have to understand, you can never beat God-given. It doesn't matter how hard you try. And and, and so I was able to bless him with that. Now, this is what, what, what you must never do. You must never discount your seed. You must never discount your seed. And I'm closing because watch this. Your seed never looks like what it will become. Your seed never looks like what it will become. I have a picture of some watermelon seeds. I think they're going to put them up on the screen for me. You see those seeds right there? Well, it just takes one of those watermelon seeds to produce a watermelon. Just one of those watermelon seeds to produce one watermelon. So let's go back. So that right there does not look like what it will become, which is that right there. Let's go back. The seed never looks like what it will become. And the thing I love about God and the mind of God is because he says, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest that, watch this, I am supposed to be in not just a perpetual state of harvest or perpetual state of blessing, but I'm supposed to be in a perpetual state of sowing that I should sow all the time. So just like that one little seed, go back to that little seed, that one little seed does not look like what it will become, which is that big harvest, that juicy watermelon. So what happens is God says, I 
will give you a harvest to enjoy, but I don't stop there at the harvest. He says, because I realize you need more seed to sow. He says, so I will multiply your seed sown and I will increase the fruit of your righteousness. So I will give you a harvest that has a whole lot of seed within the harvest so you can enjoy the harvest so you can keep sowing seed. Does that make sense? So every time I get a check for $10,000 or $3,000 or $20,000, I get to enjoy some of it. But I also understand that there's more that I have so I can keep on sowing, so I can keep on reaping in life. Does that make sense? So listen, you have to learn how to trust God as your source. His hands are bigger than yours. I'm going to close with this story. There was a little boy and he was at the corner store. He was there with his mom, and back in those days, you know, when you went to the corner store, you got everything at the corner store. You know, bread, milk, you know, just everything. That's where we did. It wasn't like we went to Kroger or Walmart. We went to the corner store, and and, and the owner, he was the cashier. He was the bagger. He was everything. Y'all remember those stores? And and, and so the little boy, he goes to the store, and the mom, she's trying to hurry up because his older brother and sister are going to be getting off uh, of the the, the school bus soon. And so she got her coupons, and she got her calculator, kind of like my mama did when we were growing up because we didn't have a whole lot of money. And so she's trying to figure out everything, and she's up there with the owner, and she's like, in today, double coupon, and he's trying to help her out and not get aggravated. But he sees the little boy, and the little boy is standing there, and he's looking up at this big jar of candy. And he notices after a few minutes that he keeps looking at this big jar of candy. And so after a while, he's trying to help the mom, but he looks down. He says, hey, son, it's okay. You can get you some. And so he keeps looking. A minute later, the mom said, hurry up, grab some. We got to go. And so she, she gets all done. She thanks the owner because he helped her with some extra, you know, coupons and all, all those kinds of things. She's about to walk out and realizes that he's still back there and he's looking at the big candy jar. And the man says, son, go ahead and get some. It's okay. And now, by now, mama is upset. She's fussing because she got to go. Boy, get some candy and let's get on out of here. And so the little boy just keeps looking at it. And so he keeps looking. And so in the frustration, the owner goes and he takes the top out and he grabs candy and he goes and he gives it to the boy. And now the boy is walking out like this, but he's got this big old smile on his face. The mama is upset because she has now been embarrassed. I told you to get some candy. The man told you to get some candy. Son, what is wrong with you? Were you not thinking? You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and the little boy, he's, he's, he's no longer upset. He ain't worried about mama fussing. He's looking at the harvest he's got. You understand? And so, so mama's like, why didn't you do what that man told you to do? And he looked up at his mama and he said, mama, his hands were bigger than mine. And when you learn to start living out of God's hands, his hands are bigger than yours. Never be afraid to give. He's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you so you can eat the best, wear the best, live in the best, and drive the best. I'm out of time. Thank you for listening to me. God bless you. Come on. Did you enjoy that this morning? Nobody moving. That was Pastor James MacGyver, and I approved that message. (laughs) Giving can change your life. And here's what I want to do. I just feel just like I did in the first service, to just take authority over the fear of giving. Because if the enemy can produce fear, then you won't respond when it's time to give. And the only way a harvest can take place is when you do so. So I want to take authority over fear.
And then we're just going to do an altar call for those who need to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Every head bow. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your words. Thank you for Pastor James. Thank you for the examples of his life that we can use and believe for our lives to be the same. You're the same God. You said you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're no respect of person. So, Father, we can expect what you've done in this life to be done in our lives. And, Lord, you asked me to pray and declare fear to be broken over the lives of your people. And so, in Jesus' name, I say fear, you can no longer stay in the life of the believers at Word of Truth Family Church. We break the power of fear in Jesus' name. Anxiety and, and worry and fretfulness. We cancel your assignment in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you. You said perfect love cast out fear. I pray that you will deposit a love for you and a love for your word and a love, Father, for uh, obedience that, Lord, we'll look back and we won't respond to the fear. Father, we'll respond to your word. And I thank you for fear being broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, those who are here, you may be here today.